crucified, buried, and rose again the third day. In fact, here just in a couple of weeks, we'll be dealing with uh, Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. We look forward to that. Well, in our passage here, he's on his way towards Jerusalem. But you know, everywhere Christ went and everything that Christ did was by divine appointment. Now, there was another Samaritan in John chapter 4 that it says that I must needs go through Samaria. And it states there specifically that he went to this particular location and we know that he went there so he could give the gospel to the Samaritan woman. That is interesting. That was one that uh, uh, was looked down upon by the Jewish people at that point. Uh, The other uh, disciples that were with him uh, traveling and doing that probably was not that appealing they would have gone out of their way to avoid that country. But what Jesus Christ did then was by divine appointment. What he is doing here was by divine appointment. Now, do understand this. Things don't happen by accident in our lives either. Now, our lives may encounter accidents as we did on Wednesday, but do you know we were in the right place at the right time I believe by divine appointment to be used by God. And God has his plan, whether it be through the life and ministry of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, or whether it be through your life and my life as a child of God. Now, in our passage today, we read about 10 men who had learned that Jesus was passing their way. Not only was it 10 men, But it was ten leprous men, companions of misery. Uh, We've heard the expression, misery loves companionship. Well, these were companions of misery. Uh, Leprosy was a horrific disease. And here they had kind of come together. They had been diagnosed with uh, uh, leprosy. And it had become obviously so and observably so that they were lepers. Uh, It is a terminal disease. And at that time, there was no known cure for leprosy. In fact, as I was reading and doing some research on this, it was universally believed, not just by the children of God, but universally believed that the only way anybody could ever be cured of cancer, or not cancer, but leprosy, is that it would take an act or a miracle of God. Even the pagans believe that as well. Now, they may have been inclined to attribute it to their pagan gods, but they knew that man could not solve this problem. I want to tell you a little bit about leprosy this morning because of how it is pictured in the Bible or what it pictures in the Bible. Today, it is uh, referred to as Hansen's disease, if I understand correctly. It's a different name, but Basically, it is the same disease. And there's two types or two strains of leprosy. And each one has its big scientific name, and I'm not going to try to pronounce those or give those this morning. But uh, one is the more deadly, the one that you simply cannot be cured. There's no remedy. Uh, At this time in the Bible, there was no help for it. That Once somebody had uh, contracted it and come down with it and was, was dealing with it, Uh, physically speaking, humanly speaking, there was no hope. It would spread until 
it killed them. There was another strain that was a little bit more benign, and uh, somebody may have to deal with it briefly or uh, for a longer period of time, but that strain of leprosy that could go into remission, they could be called clean, they could get back into society and not deal with it again. But normally it was the serious type, and in this passage, that's the one that we're talking about. It was the very, very serious one. It can have periods of aggression or it can have periods of remission. When it is very aggressive with the fever and and the pain and it can uh, uh, disable a person to where they cannot move for for a a day, an hour, a week, a month, uh, then it could go into remission and to where some of the symptoms would not be so so aggressive in the body. It, It would never be eliminated from the body, but it could go into remission to where it wasn't quite so bad and they were able to deal with it. It was the process of death by leprosy. Um, Watching the disease eat away at the face, the appendages throughout the body was a ghastly sight. And yes, even when it would be in remission, it was a life of misery for those who had contracted it. While lepers were separated from society, they could commune with each other. These ten had probably heard of Jesus coming. They had probably heard that he had healed even lepers somewhere else. There's a couple of passages. We don't have every uh, miracle of healing recorded in the Bible. There are verses that say that he, he healed multitudes. And leprosy was included in the mass healings and the multiple healings that Christ had done. And so they had probably heard about that. And they had hope for themselves. They were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ hoping they too could experience his healing power. They pleaded for help from a great distance. Uh, Leprosy would keep them away. They were ostracized from their home. They were ostracized from their families. Uh, They just had to be in their own little community. And they couldn't get close to anybody. In fact, if they were out walking and somebody may be walking towards them, it was their duty, legal responsibility, to cry out, unclean, 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 so that the people who had not been impacted by the disease would avoid them and avoid contracting the disease. So here we see these ten lepers at a distance crying out and they cried master have mercy on us something else that I read and understand about leprosy is it would begin to impact the internal organs and deteriorate them including the voice in fact the voice would be one of the early stages of the organ deterioration so now imagine this have you ever had uh, um, that, that problem where you're not able to really speak and get your voice out? You're hoarse and you just can't talk. Can you imagine trying to cry out and get somebody's attention from a great distance away? So we can envision here are these ten 
probably at different stages of the process of leprosy. Some of them, their voice has probably already been affected. And trying to cry out in unison so they can get enough volume. And and we can imagine, and, and I think rightfully so, that they were very passionate about their cry. You can imagine how passionate a person is when they're going down underwater and about to drown and they they have just enough to, to cry for help. They were probably very passionate about it. Master, have mercy on us, was their cry. Oh, what a record. Jesus Christ responded with his compassion commanded them to show themselves to the priest, which you would only do if you'd been cured of the disease. And as they had begun to obey and was turning around and headed to where the priest would be, they looked at themselves and noticed it was gone. Can you imagine the exhilaration? We we really don't know what their expectation was. You know, a lot of times people, when, when uh, they come for healing or come for something special, particularly in the Bible, you'll find that they're, they're always looking for this dynamic display uh, of divine power. And Naaman, when he came and, and uh, he had leprosy and he was wanting to be healed and the man of God didn't even come out and, and meet him, and it was just a servant that said, go dip yourself seven times in the river. And, and he almost did not do it. He was insulted. He was offended. I am, am a person of, of a no, noble and high position. The man of God should have come out and, and there should have been some massive dynamic display over me and, and uh, voices from heaven and, and clouds and lightning and all of a sudden I'm healed. And... He said, now just go wash yourself, dip yourself seven times in the river. And he had to be encouraged by his entourage to go do it. And he was healed. We don't know what the expectation, it doesn't record that of these ten. But typically people would like some type of dynamic display and not just this simple quiet thing that happens. But, you know, even that is a great picture of the working of God, of the, the quiet, simple workings within. But here they are. They're walking away, headed to the priest, suddenly discover that they've been healed. And only one returns to Jesus Christ, falls at his feet, humbly thanks him for what Christ had done to him. The other nine, self-consumed, went on their way. Now, in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. Not only is it a picture of sin, but it is a portrait of how God sees sin. Now, do understand this. A great deal of humanity does not see sin as God sees sin. They don't see it as really bad. They don't see lying 
as a really bad sin if it's not a really big sin unless somebody lied to them and they were taken to the cleaners. Then they see it as a really big sin. You see, man doesn't see stealing as a really big sin. You know, if they were to steal a dime or ten dollars, they wouldn't see that. Now, if somebody steals millions and billions of dollars, wow, that guy's a real thief. But you see, humanity does not see sin for what it really is. Not only in the action, but what it does to the person. What it does to a society. How it destroys. What its end result is. A lot of people do not see it as God sees it. And so when we come to this, we can see sin in a picture as how God sees sin. It's like leprosy that just absolutely destroys the body, but sin absolutely destroys the soul and the body of an individual in more than one way. Romans 5.12 gives a, a divine affirmation of the sin problem. And we said leprosy is, is a picture of sin. And so we need to realize there is a sin problem. In, in Romans 5.12, wherefore, as by one man sin, that was Adam, who, who was the uh, uh, originator of sin. He was the first human being to sin. And then that sin was passed on. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, the, the punishment of sin is death, and that's spiritual death, and separation from God. At the moment that Adam sinned, that came into humanity, and so death passed upon all men. That's the sin curse and the sin nature. We are all born as sinners. Now, I realize some people have a hard time believing that. But as I have stated a multitude of times, that's, that's validated by watching a little child. Now, you here have heard me say this many times. There may be some listening that have never heard me say this, but need me to say this. You never have to teach a child to tell a lie. You have to teach them how to tell the truth. You never have to teach a child to steal a toy from somebody else, but how to share. You never have to teach a child temperance, how, how not to throw a temper, or you never have to teach them how to throw a temper tantrum, but you have to teach them temperance and self-control. And so that validates what the Bible says, that we're all born sinners. We have that sin nature. That's how we're born. But then it goes on for that all have sinned. The fact of the matter is we're not only sinners by nature, but we've all chosen to sin somewhere along the way. Whether it be a little lie, whether it be stealing a penny or a dollar or whatever it is, whether it's using God's name in vain, uh, whatever it is, every man, woman, and child is both a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice. And here, leprosy shows a great parallel to sin and what it means. I have several parallels here that I want to to show you this morning. First, the sin verdict 
is a great equalizer of humanity. Somebody said that God created all men and Colonel Colt made them all equal. Well, I'm not sure that's always true, but this is always true. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every man, woman, and child is a sinner. That puts everybody, uh, rich or poor, smart or, or uh, not so smart, no matter the ethnicity, the skin color, the social circle, your, your uh, academic uh, uh, achievement, no matter what, all have sinned. And so it is the great equalizer of all humanity. In fact, leprosy would infect uh, paupers as well as kings and transcend every ethnic boundary and social boundary. And then something else, few will recognize the seriousness of the matter in its early stages. I understand that leprosy would start as just a small spot. Now, you can look on your hands or, or wherever, and you'll find maybe a birthmark or a sun mark or, or, or some type of a mark on your body. But it would start as a small spot. Now, for us today, most of these spots are just pigments and colors on our, on our skin. And for them, in the early stages, they may just see it as just a little blemish on the skin and not realize the full potential consequences of what leprosy was going to do. Do you realize that the average person does not fully realize the scope of sin? The early stages, the simplicity. They don't fully understand that starting to tell little lies is eventually going to turn into big lies. And both little lies and big lies start into real social problems. A lot of them don't realize when they take that first sip of alcohol that someday they could be uh, a, a drunk and destroy their lives, beat their family. A lot of them don't realize that in, in experimenting with illicit drugs, the impact it could have upon your brain, and now so many of those that are supposed to be milder and, and endorsed by so many people could be laced with fentanyl and actually kill you. You see, <clears throat> sin like leprosy in its early stages, most people don't recognize just how serious it can be. I talked to a gentleman just this last week that uh, <clears throat> he did discover when it came to alcohol and, and marijuana and some of the stuff that's going on, when he was about to become a father, he realized, you know what? I'm going to ruin my life if I don't get rid of this. And I'm going to ruin my family if I don't get rid of this. Now, he never became a Christian, not to this date yet. But he gave up alcohol. He gave up the illicit drugs. And he says, do you know what? I am shocked at how clear my mind is today. He would be about my age, maybe a little older now. And he says I, it was in his early 30s when he gave it up. He says he, he did not realize how it was affecting his thinking capacity, his health, 
and everything until he had given it up for a period of time. Now that's just one illustration of what sin can do. But it will always go there. Uh, Both leprosy and sin have a paralleling ending. That's death. Unless God miraculously healed somebody of leprosy, they would die of it. And they would die a miserable death eventually. Well, sin is spiritual death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. James 1.15, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Revelation 20, I've got the right one there, Revelation, not Romans. But Revelation 20.14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, verse 15. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is both eternal separation from God and eternal suffering in hell. Not only is it leaving the miseries of this life, but having the miseries of separation from God eternally. Like leprosy, sin brings a divine appointed separation. You see, leprosy caused separation from society. And within it, it made strange bedfellows. You will find, number one, that separation is there is no fellowship with God. You can talk about God, you you can sing about God, but there's no real fellowship with God if you're without Jesus Christ. Sin separates you from God. But you'll also find that sinful behavior will separate you from godly people that want to walk with God. And in that, uh, there's just no fellowship in them. We can be kind to each other. We want to be kind to each other. We want to reach out. But there's no camaraderie of of where we're going, what we're doing. And, And it separates. You see, really, there's only two classes of people in all of the world. Saved and unsaved. All the other defining differences are subordinate to this. And there is a separation in that way. But even in that, it makes strange bedfellows. In the uh, record here in in Luke 17, it speaks of how we have a Samaritan and it is presumed the others were Jews or the majority of the others were Jews because they were sent to the Jewish priest to be identified as now clean and healed and they could get back into society. Under any other conditions, these people would be social enemies. They really wouldn't care to fellowship with each other. They wouldn't sit at the same table. They wouldn't walk with each other. If one, if a Jewish person had touched a, a Samaritan, they would have to immediately clean themselves and, and wash their clothing or they'd be considered unclean. But do you know what? Leprosy brought a commonality that only leprosy could do. Likewise with sin. It is amazing how sinful behavior brings comrades that you would never imagine would work together. And so it it affects both separation and the fellowship that they have. Like leprosy, sin will affect everything 
about you. For the leper, it was his body, and we talked about what it does to the body, starting to be apparent on the outside and then dealing with the internal organs and, and all of that. It would impact the clothes. Their clothes would be considered unclean. Even if, if they had discarded their clothes, anyone who was not contaminated with leprosy could not touch that clothing. They'd have to burn it if they touched it. They would have to go through special cleansing, sanitizing, to, to uh, terminate the contamination of it. Their house, their very house was considered unclean. And people would not want to go into their house or socialize in their house. It impacted their house. So too, sin touches everything about your life and about your person. Not only the sin curse of your body. And and we all have to deal with the sin curse of the body. The diseases, the sicknesses, the injuries and those types of things. But also when people are involved in sinful behavior, the consequences of that, the diseases, and everything that goes with it. But not only that, but what you do with your body. You see, as a believer, we see our body as a temple of God. And we don't want to do the things to our body that the world at large does to their body. And... And I'm not going to abuse my body like those who are out in the world will abuse their body. And there's so many things. I, I, I want to keep my body as a godly testimony, as the temple of the Lord, in everything that I do with my body. Likewise, your clothing, how you dress. You see, it will impact how you dress and what you do with your clothing. And your choice of clothing. It will also impact your home environment. What you will have in your home. What you will do in your home. uh, What you will entertain in your home. Sin impacts everything about your body. And everything about your person and your life. Even your social circles. Sin will impact who you will befriend and who you will not. And so here we see, and likewise, who really doesn't want to be a close friend because of it. So sin will affect everything about you, just like leprosy. Then sooner or later, sin like leprosy will cause a great deal of misery. And for some, their misery is observable by everybody around them. Everybody else sees it. They know it. Chatted with a gentleman this week, a different gentleman. His life was miserable. He had said he had, I don't know that he had seven wives, but he had relationships with seven women. But he said they were all mean and his life was miserable and and all of this. Well, just by observation, I don't think I'd blame it all on the women. (laughs) I would say a lot of his behavior precipitated a lot of his problem. He turned to alcohol, drunkenness. And in essence, he admitted that his life 
is just miserable. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no productivity. You see, there are some where their misery is very observable to everyone around them. But there are others who are absolutely miserable, but it's a hidden torment within their mind. They put on a charade of of having the good life, a wealthy life. There are a lot of people that are extremely wealthy. And one of the telltales is there is a high percentage of the extremely wealthy that are going to counselors and psychologists and shrinks or whatever you want to call them because mentally they are tormented in their life of sin. They're going to try to put a picture out there that all is well, but in the meantime, they're trying to cover it up with alcohol, sinful behavior, and counselors. Sin brings misery sooner or later. Sin, like leprosy, can be remedied only by God. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Just as with with leprosy, there was no possible remedy. And those that discovered this, they really understood the, the, the tragedy of their life, the entrapment that they were in. And these ten lepers understood there was no hope, no cure, no help except for God. And likewise with sin, until we realize that there is no hope, no help, no remedy except through Jesus Christ, we're really not going to go and find the right remedy. And so they, un- they understood sin, like leprosy, only Jesus Christ can be the remedy. Then you will find that there are two ways to respond to this condition. Some simply resign to the misery with no hope, or they chase after some false hopes that will never really remedy the problem. Not all lepers came crying for Jesus, for the Master to have mercy upon them. Not all of them came looking. I don't doubt... But between where he came from to the north down to Jerusalem, there was probably a multitude of lepers that could have came to Jesus Christ, but they chose not to. There are some people that understand their dilemma, understand their tragedy, and they seem to just live in their misery to do nothing about it. Out of all of the lepers, there was only 10 at this particular occasion that came to Jesus Christ crying out, Master. And within the context, we understand that they understood that he was God's son, that he was was God incarnate because they knew only God could heal them and have mercy on them. But there was many that did not come while others will see their plight and cry out unto Jesus Christ for his mercy. 
Now, coming back into the context here with Luke chapter 17, there was ten lepers that asked for and received healing, but only one Samaritan leper returned to give Jesus Christ thank you for what he had done. Can you imagine doing something incredible for somebody and never hearing the word thank you? Sometimes a lot of things happen and, and people just never respond by saying thank you. They, ne- they don't have a heart of appreciation. They don't even show appreciation. And, and it's one of those things that's hard to fathom that people can be so self-consumed that they can't even say thank you. But here was nine that never bothered to say thank you. You know, it seems like most want God to fix their problem in life but they don't want salvation. They don't want a new life in Christ. They don't want to have a real intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They simply want God to fix their problems. They have this mentality, and and I think it's a growing mentality in America, that God owes them what they ask for. And if he doesn't give them what they ask for, And if he doesn't give them what they want, he's an unkind and an unfair God. You probably would not have to go far in talking with people, but what you will encounter somebody that will say, I don't believe in God, I don't like God, I don't want to hear about God, because I asked him for something and he didn't give it to me. Now, you might expect that from political liberals who believe in a in political entitlement, social entitlement. But folks, there's a lot of people who are politically conservative and don't buy into the entitlement mentality, politically speaking, but they have bought into it spiritually speaking. They don't believe in government handouts so much except in rare cases. But do you know what? They'll still believe in spiritual entitlements, believing God owes them a better life. And if God doesn't give them what they want, they're mad at God and they say God is unfair. God doesn't owe us anything. These ten lepers did not come crying, Jesus, It's our right for you to be healing us. You owe us better health. We don't deserve this. No, they came and understood that their only plea was, Master, have mercy upon me. God doesn't owe any person, anybody, anything whatsoever. As a just and a holy God, what he owes us is eternal condemnation. But because he is also a compassionate God, a merciful God, a gracious God, that before the foundations of the world, he made a plan to solve man's sin remedy. And because of his long suffering, he gives us the opportunity to cry out for His mercy and for His grace. That's who our God is. All ten lepers did cry out for His mercy. And all ten 
were granted that request. And this solved their immediate physical problem and need. And nine went on their merry way, but only one returned to humbly thank Jesus Christ. It was the one that was probably least likely in the minds of people that would come back to Jesus Christ. It is that one that all of the religious crowd would look down their nose and scoff at and even think undeserving. Here's something that I think we need to understand. While it is the law of God that reveals to us our sinful condition, and we cannot be saved by keeping the law, it reveals what's right and wrong, and it reveals our sinful condition. It is the goodness of God that brings us to him. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? Yes, when we realize God wants us to know and understand our sinful condition. In fact, we cannot truly appreciate the sweetness of grace until we understand the bitterness of sin and its utter end. But there is the goodness of God that brought the one back to Jesus. Verse 5 and some of those following verses may define the hearts of the other nine where it begins by saying, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, for there is no respect of persons with God. They went on their merry way. Their bodies were healed, but their souls were not saved. And they were treasuring up. You know, right now there's a lot of talk because banks are failing and whatnot and what kind of treasures you need to get and need to have and everything. Here's a treasure you don't want to have. They're treasuring up the wrath of God on the day of His righteous judgment. They shunned the goodness of God when it was set there before them. The Samaritan leper not only experienced the mercy of God, but also the grace of God. When it talks about thy faith hath made thee whole, the Bible has used this more than once in the New Testament, and it has to do with saving faith, putting their faith, as it's put in, in Romans, belief in the heart, in the finished work of Jesus Christ and confession with the lips. We would understand this is what happened with this young man or this Samaritan leper, that there was saving faith. While the ten all realized they could not remedy their problem, only God could do this. It was only the Samaritan that not only had his physical problem remedied, but his spiritual eternal need met as well. In Jesus Christ. It is in this passage that we see a great display of God's mercy. 
here was a segment of society, the off-scouring, nobody wanted to come close, and should not, nobody wanted to be around them. I'm sure there was family that had compassion and missed them, but they, they were the off-scouring of society. And even they experienced the mercy of God. Isn't that marvelous? Do understand that a great deal of society experiences the mercy of God. Mercy means to withhold what we really deserve. Both saved and lost experience the mercy of God because he withholds an awful lot of what we really deserve. But it's not the mercy that saves us, it's the grace. Here we have the grace of God which gives us what we don't deserve. Mercy withholds what we do deserve. Grace gives us what we don't deserve, and that's salvation. And I'm sure in the Jewish viewpoint, the Samaritan was the most undeserving person. That was very biased, very prejudiced, but that would have been their mindset. But we see how God gave what they did not deserve, and that was God's grace. But there's something else that I want to highlight here. Not only a great display of God's mercy and a great display of his grace, but it is a great testimony of hope. No matter how desperate your life is, you can find hope in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many demographics of people in which suicide numbers are escalating. At one point for our veterans, it was what, 18 to 19 or so per day were committing suicide and may still be there. Do you know why? One of the major reasons? They have no hope. They see no hope. Even in those most desperate of times, there is hope in Jesus Christ. We have a great affliction in our culture right now. And it's with all this transgender terror that's going on. I've read statistics that in the LGBT community and in the transgender, suicides are at the highest level of any demographic of people. Pursuing all of these changes doesn't change what's in their heart and they're living without hope. Folks, I do not care how desperate the condition, how tragic the circumstances. These ten men were on a death march. For some it was sooner, for some it would be prolonged a little longer. But they discovered there was one option of real, real, valid hope. 
And that's Jesus Christ. And we may have somebody that is here this morning or listening to this program that is at at their point of hopelessness. Or someday down the road, the the circumstances in your life and some of it, and, and a lot of times it's because of some personal bad choices. And you may find yourself to a point where you are at absolute despair and you see no hope whatsoever. I want to assure you that there is still hope through Jesus Christ. This is a tremendous testimony for the desperate of desperate that there is still hope. In Jesus Christ. The tragedy is there was only ten that came. When there was probably thousands that should have. And even the tragedy upon that. Only nine experienced his mercy. And one his grace as well. This is a testimony. That there is hope. In and through Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you this morning, and and I thank you for the record that you've given. And Father, I pray that you would use this to help those that have received Christ as their Savior to simply say in a humble way, thank you, Lord, because I know I didn't deserve it, and truly appreciate their life in Christ. And likewise, Father, for those that are on a crash course to eternity that they would realize that there is hope in Jesus Christ we pray in his precious name Amen Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com If you wish to donate to this radio ministry please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again... Be sure you are living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm's sake, from all harm's sake, be sheltering
As the economy tightens, retailers are getting their products in front of thousands of new customers every month. The P.E. Gun Show is a whole family event featuring toys, craft items, food, survival, and hunting accessories. Every show is loaded with potential buyers looking for your products. For table rental information, contact peshows.com or call them at 970-663-9101. 
The new 90,000-square-foot Premier Events Expo Center, located at the Greeley Mall off Highway 34, is the perfect indoor space to plan your next event. Weddings, graduations, concerts, or fairs, this space can accommodate. For leasing information, contact PEShow.com or call them at 970-663-9101. That's PEShows.com, 970-663-9101. Hi, this is Mike Morris, owner of Warriors Revolution Tactical in Longmont. At Warriors Revolution, we have the largest selection of tactical gear and ammo in northern Colorado. But what many people may not know is that we now sell firearms. And even despite the recent run on firearms and ammunition, we have plenty of product in the store, including ARs, AKs, Glocks, SIGs, HK, and more. And don't forget all the bulk ammunition at the best prices in town. Need to do a private firearms transfer? We can do that, too. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and our team is made up of veterans and security experts, not a bunch of salesmen. Our team is trained and fought with much of the actual equipment we sell. And one thing you should know is that we support the foundations and principles this great country was founded upon. So if you need tactical gear, ammo, firearms, AR parts or upgrades, and even survival accessories, stop by and visit us on Ken Pratt Boulevard and Bowen Street in Longmont. Or visit WarriorsRevolution.com. That's WarriorsRevolution.com. It is not because men have made laws that life, liberty, and property exist. On the contrary, it is because life, liberty, and property existed beforehand that men made laws in the first place. What then is law? It is the collective organization of the individual right to lawful defense and punishing injustice. Frederick Bastiat, The Law. Hey folks, The Rev here. When the economy collapses, so will society. Martial law will rule, but the protectors will become the looters and thieves. The future will be merciless. Prepare yourself now. Join the Rev for the best urban survival training available today. Call KHNC 970-587-5003 to reserve a seat now. That's 970-587-5003. How much is our government hiding from us? What's the truth about COVID-19? Are climate engineering operations robbing our rain? If you want answers, tune into the commercial-free, non-political Global Alert News Hour, Sundays at 1 p.m. on KHNC 1360 AM. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland. 